damn it. Get the fuck. Piece of shit. All right. Well, Blair. Nope. What? Oh, yeah, I thought you were going to ask me to do something. No. Yeah, we're, I, I just want you to, like, help me with the intro here. Oh, we're recording. Yeah, we're recording. I thought you were still doing sound check. No, it's just the two of us. I'm not going to do, like, a thorough sound check. I, 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 I haven't the time for that shit. That's fair. Oh, well, anyways, it's uh, just a few hours left in 2020. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I paid for an entire year of bandwidth on both our podcast host and our website. And we haven't put a single goddamn thing out this year. So uh, I figured we should use this moment to at least get something out there. Because we've got a fucking feed that's got nothing on it. So, you know. I mean, that's fair. Really been a whole year? It's been more than that. The last time we recorded was sometime in 2019, I, I think. I recorded a solo episode in like the end of towards the end of March, like right as the work from home stuff was happening. But I at that point, I didn't realize quite how badly my anxiety had been affected by the whole pandemic thing. And the audio is I was having a lot of trouble breathing and I didn't realize it at the time just based on. Um, like, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but, uh, basically the audio was me talking for a few seconds and then going, (sighs) (laughs) and it was really hard. Like it's, it was really difficult to listen to. Like it was hard to edit. And I decided I'm like, this is like, this is pathetic even for me. And so I just kind of shelved it and never released it, but it was a, uh, sort of a, a shallow dive into pandemics throughout history, um, which at the the time was uh, timely and is no longer timely. (laughs) Are you laughing? No. No, that's not funny. Uh, I mean, it's not like we couldn't possibly still be in the middle of this fucking pandemic, right? What, nine months later? halfway through it right yeah a little more yeah 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 Maybe we have like a third left if we're yeah if, we, if we're if we're lucky yeah uh but yeah so that's where we've been and i know this year like it, it, it's so much a meme at this point like 2020 is the worst goddamn year that most people have lived through and uh fucking awful and it's coming to an end and i thought maybe we should try to be a little bit positive and talk about some of the good things that happened this year because it wasn't it wasn't all shit no no it wasn't all shit so i'm thinking um you know something that's very near and dear to both of us is video games and we definitely did play you know quite a bit this year so i figured we could go over uh like our top five games of the year um talk a little bit about them what you know what made them great um and then maybe we can take a time to sort of um uh, just talk about some other things that maybe 
maybe some silver linings of the year uh, as we sort of kiss the year and uh, honestly the whole decade of 2010 away oh yeah yeah so let's uh let's get into it with um our our video game list so we'll we'll do top fives we'll start start at five um, oh shit we have to put them in order yeah yeah we got okay, you go order. first then okay gotta... you're you're not ready no i don't have them in an order i know what my top one is <laughs> the other four kind of in limbo Interesting. Okay, I, I will go first. Um, so my number five game of the year is uh, The Last of Us Part Two. That's your number five. It's my number five. Okay. Um, the only reason it's so like I, I mean I played so much that being number five is still like phenomenal. Yeah. The reason it's it's the lowest on my list though is just because, um, while it was one of the most polished games that I played this year. It was oh, one that also, far. yeah, yeah. It also had a lot of moments that frustrated me. Um, both some of it in the narrative, not a lot of it. I'm not one of those people that was like, oh, uh, awful, worst storyline ever. Not the case. There was just a couple of a couple of things about it that, um, you know, I can't even say that they were bad or that they were like lazy or poorly written because they weren't. It's just sort of not where I would have gone with it or not what I kind of wanted for certain characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing about it that, you know, sort of makes it lower uh, is that it's just a game that I know you're going to complain about this Blair, but like, it just did not need boss fights. It was not like, it was not, it's not resident evil. It doesn't need to have gigantic boss fights. No, it didn't need a boss. fight. It did, well, okay. It didn't have it had one big boss fight, and the other ones were like basically glorified QTEs. Yeah, and I agree that they were the worst part about the game because they were I don't know not really necessary, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That, that that's really like the, the that's only the thing one I like can... design choice that I'm like, eh, I don't think I would have done that. It's the only thing I could really knock it for because the actual <clears throat> like core gameplay of like collecting stuff, um, exploring, um, it it has you know some of the best stealth that I think I've done in a game in a very long time, if not ever. Because mm-hmm. um, I I'm not a super patient gamer, so stealth doesn't usually like speak to me a lot. But it was necessary in The Last of Us 2. Uh, I mean, and in the first one as well. But it was necessary, and it just felt really good. Um, which is, you know, something that I would not have expected going into it, that it was going to actually draw me in with stealth gameplay. Yeah. But, like, the environments and stuff, I mean, holy crap. That, that game has atmosphere for days. Um, you know, the production values are, were awesome. It was really well polished. You know, I don't recall any, you know, bugs throughout pretty much my entire playthrough of the game, yeah, which is... This is insane for the length of the fucking game. Yes, yeah. It, it, it's definitely a, a meaty game. There was a lot Just to Just how it. many different environments, how big the environments were, how detailed the environments were. Yeah, yeah. And there were a lot of like moments in that game, but it, it was equal parts like heart wrenching and 
like surprisingly filled with justice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, a lot of really good uh, you know moments in the game that I, I really enjoyed. So uh, yeah, that that is my my number five game of the year. What's your number five. Uh, my number five would probably then be Animal Crossing. Oh, okay. That's one I have not played. Because Animal Crossing is. It's one of those games where I played it a lot when it came out, because it came out right when the quarantine and stuff happened for us. Right. I, I remember that was kind of a thing. It, it was came like out like Nintendo's the, printing yeah, money. It came out like the week after I lost my job. Um. So it was kind of a perfect storm, and I had never played Animal Crossing before. Um, all of my friends did, and we're like, oh, you should get into it. And I never was able to get into it. But, you know, for some reason, I didn't have anything else to do. Uh, so I actually tried it, and it was, it was great. It's, it's, I mean, it, it's hard to describe what it is, because you don't really have goal. Like, you have goals, but you make your goals. So you, you have, like, you have an island... And there's nothing on it, really. And you just have to make the island whatever you want it to be. Like, if you want it to be just, like, a cool place to hang out, you can just make a bunch of houses, make a cool neighborhood, do all that stuff. If you want it to be, like, a... Like, I've seen people make, like, nature reserves in it where they have all the different kinds of trees and stuff, and they make, like, these pathways and, and shit like that. And eventually, when your island gets big enough, you can terraform the island so you can make new waterfalls and take away, like, bodies of water you didn't like before and, like, move them around. Do all this shit. You've probably seen the meme of the Danny DeVito island. Yeah. Shaped yeah. like his face. Yeah, I, um, I definitely saw that. Yeah, so it's just, it's a game that's, like, all about freedom and just chilling the fuck out. You you played that a lot this year. Yeah. Like, quite, yeah. quite a bit. I, so. I still play it every once in a while because they... They do seasonal things. Like, they did a Halloween event. They're doing Christmas stuff right now. Um, Just, like, general winter holiday stuff. And then they'll do probably some stuff for Valentine's Day. Then they'll do Easter and spring. And they'll, you know, they'll just keep the whole thing going. And every time they switch uh, seasons, there's different animals to collect. Different, like plant life you can get there's a whole bunch of different shit and they've added swimming and diving since that's come out and they they just keep adding and adding stuff to it and it's nothing's like huge you know it's it's not like there's been huge game changing updates and stuff but they just continue to add stuff and it makes it fun to go back to Nice, nice. That that is one that uh, I think if it ever goes on sale, I'll probably pick it up just to see. But yeah, um, I, I where I'm at with that game is like where you were at the start of your story. Just never, ne- never really got into it. Um, but yeah, that's a game that's a, a lot of people really enjoy. So I figure I should probably yeah. jump in and see what the. Uh, it's one of those games where like people who don't play games were playing this year because you know they had nothing better to do. Like I have a bunch of friends whose moms got a switch and started playing animal crossing it came out at like the perfect time like, yeah. right as as people were shutting down uh, and quarantining and stuff that game came out a similar thing happened with um uh call of duty Warzone. that was kind of fortunate timing that it came out and was ready um pretty much right as the whole work from home thing started so people were in a spot where um a lot of people were playing that um and, yeah yeah i remember that I remember, like, 
you know, you have to make you have to fill lobbies with was it hundred and how many people are in each lobby? Uh, hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty people yeah. in each lobby, and they would fill up in like ten seconds. Yeah, yeah, just like immediately. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> it that was, was, nuts. It was It was pretty crazy. Uh, all right, so your number five is Animal Crossing. Animal what what Crossing. is the subtitle for that one? Uh, New Horizon. No, uh, I want to say New Horizons, but I think that was the one before that. Whatever, the new Animal Crossing on Switch. Animal Crossing, I think it's New Horizons. (laughs) Maybe something about an island. This one's on an island. Apparently the rest of them weren't on islands. I thought they were all on islands, but... I guess that shows how little I know. Animal Animal Crossing. Yeah, it's New Horizons. Okay, Okay. cool. Alright, well, uh, jumping in to uh, my number four game of the year... um, it's it's got to be Resident Evil Three, the 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 remake of RE3. Oh yeah. Um, I I did not play the multiplayer part of it, RE Resistance, whatever. I did a little bit. It was okay. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was. Like you know, the game is, is quality. It has a you know a good engine. I just wasn't really super interested in it at the time. But the you know the single player campaign remake of RE3 was was just awesome. Like it, um. <clears throat> It made, you know, RE3 of the the original kind of, uh, you know, OG Resident Evils was definitely the least scary because you had the most firepower, even though that, you know, the nemesis was kind of freaky hunting mm-hmm. you down and shit. Yeah. Um, it, the, the game was like, that, that was like the first one that was kind of more of an action game than a survival horror game in, in some ways. And they, they managed to hit that really well in the remake. Like, it's got really good action. Um, the, you know, the scene where you have to defend the uh, the hospital. Yeah. Like, that was just just intense. Like, it was crazy. Yep. Super, super action-packed. Really, really well done. Um, and they also made it actually kind of scary. Um, the nemesis is really a giant asshole in this game. And he yep. really hunts you down relentlessly and... Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it was really well done. There was, was a game where I finished it and immediately started my second playthrough. That's um, true, yeah. I haven't really done that with a game in a long time, but I did it with that one. Yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, you know, normally I wouldn't put a remake necessarily on there, but, you know, the RE2 two remake last year was fucking awesome. The RE3 remake this year um, was fucking awesome. Wait, was RE2 2019 or was it 2018? I think it was 2019, beginning of 2019. I, th- I think so, too. That's crazy. Yeah. It must have had a pretty short development cycle then. I think they, I think, I think it did, because I remember thinking that was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Resident Evil 3. Um, you know, check it out. It's a really, really well done remake, and uh, it's my number four game of the year. And I Okay, l- let, me, let me get this out of the way. Like... The Last of Us 2 is a better game than Resident Evil 3. The reason that it, the positions are what they are is just because uh, Resident Evil 3 for me was just a more fun experience, not necessarily a better experience. If that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I just sort of want to make that it's clear. It's also way shorter. <laughs> yeah, it's very, 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 very short. I, I'm pretty sure I beat it in like three and a half hours the first time and i'm pretty sure i beat it in under two hours the second time like when i knew what i was doing yeah the first time i beat it it was it was like 
for something. Yeah, it is not a game that outstays its welcome by any no. means. No, no, no. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, my number four is also a remake. It's the Final Fantasy VII remake. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, this is it's one I didn't really plan on playing. When I had heard that it was episodic, I was like, oh, I guess I'll, you know, wait until it's all out. And then, because they did, they had no fucking information about this game before it came out. Like, they kept it really hush-hush. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they eventually released a demo, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to try it. And it was really good. I really liked the demo. It was a uh, very iconic, you know, the iconic opening of Resident, uh, of Resident Evil, Final Fantasy VII, but with, you know, all the updated uh, gameplay mechanics and kind of the updated story, really. Yeah. Um, and it kind of hooked me. And then I found out that it was part one, but it's really like its own standalone game, like it's a full title. Right. Well, they, one of the things they did say early on when they announced it is that it was going to cover basically the first disc of of Final Fantasy 7 which is basically like a, you know a third of the game right but what i didn't realize was how fleshed out everything was going to be oh, it's and insane. the other the other key to it being as good as it was is because they did change stuff they didn't change stuff for the sake of changing it everything that they did i thought made sense and i really liked yeah. the direction they went with it and they changed things in an interesting way, where they they set up weird things that would happen, and, and it almost made me because I haven't played Final Fantasy VII in a long time, and it it set up things to where I was like I was almost doubting myself, like maybe I just don't remember this, like okay maybe this did happen, like okay I guess we'll see where this goes, and it, it was it was kind of like setting up these pieces throughout. And then when it when you find it finally clicks on what's happening, I was like, oh, fuck, okay, yeah, and it's uh, the, really the satisfying. The story and the presentation in that game, like for me, was by far the best part of it. Yeah. Like, full disclosure, I know this is going to disqualify my opinion for a lot of folks, but of the three PlayStation um, Final Fantasies, you know, seven, eight, and nine, seven is my least favorite. Um, yeah, just because it is kind of. Compared to the weirdness of eight and just like the 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 classic um, sort of feel of nine, it, it is kind of samey, um, mm. which is weird because it was like the first one like that. Yeah, um, was not the first one I played. So um, people's nostalgia of, of playing it when it came out, I I just didn't have that. You know, we had an N sixty four growing up. We didn't. I didn't yeah. play uh, Final Fantasy seven until. We had the little mini PS One with PS1 the screen, too, yeah. yeah. Um, and at that point, I had already played eight, I'd already played nine, um, and seven was on such a high pedestal that it just didn't live up to it. Not that I didn't like it, because it is still a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just my least favorite of those um, those three. Yeah, seven but, was my favorite because it was the only one I'd played. <laughs> I yeah. didn't I didn't play eight until this year, right? And, and I eight, really liked eight. It was weird really fucking weird and it was the only game that had it had like a whole bunch of things that never made it into final fantasy games after that yeah eight eight is very weird i love eight it's one of my favorites in the series um from through a modern lens it's kind of ball busting 
it's kind of a ball buster. Yes. Like it's definitely harder than nine and, it's and very, harder it's very than, difficult, than seven. very grindy. Yeah. If you want to get all the cool shit at the end, you have to really like stop dead in your tracks and fucking work towards it. Cause yeah. um, it's, 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 it's tough, but it's a, uh, it's a good game. Yeah, has... Final Fantasy VII Remake is a game that I played all the way through. Um, you know, it was a good 35, 40 hours to get through it for me. Yeah. Um, the only reason I, that didn't make my list is just because um, I, I love the story and the, the presentation and everything, and I like the battle system. I just, the combat after a couple hours became incredibly grindy, not like... It happened a lot, but enemies just had so much health. It wasn't too hard. Like, you have, you know, strategies to stay alive and to, like, get them to reach their breaking point. But even when you're fighting optimally, um, even a simple battle can just, like, wear on for what feels like too long. Um, Mm -hmm. To the point where when I got to the end of the game, I turned the difficulty down, not because I I couldn't beat it. It was just because I wanted it to go quicker and i i enjoyed it a hell of a lot more when i felt just kind of like a god slashing through stuff so yeah um, like that was one of those things i'm pretty sure i told you and this sounds a lot more harsh than it is but like i loved everything about that game except for the actual game part yeah um that i i, I only like liked it i didn't i didn't love it but mm-hmm. i i really liked it because it it, I, I was going and expecting Final Fantasy XV, um, which Final Fantasy XV for me is what you're describing in Final Fantasy VII. It's the the game the the combat in Final Fantasy XV was hold down B. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It sure and then, was, Blair. <laughs> and then and then the the fight will be over at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it would look really cool. It would look it really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And. Kind of the the visuals and the aesthetic and the the characters of Final Fantasy XV were what drove me through that game. And when I played it, I was into it. Like Final Fantasy XV was very good, I thought. Um, but the weakest aspect of it was the combat. And I will say that maybe the weakest aspect of Seven is also the combat. But that's for me. It's like it's not really. It's like the weakest part of. Like, there's nothing I can really complain about in the game. The thing that I liked about it is that it had, um, it, where you could, I believe in Final Fantasy XV, you could switch between the characters to do their moves in between combat. And you could do that in Final Fantasy XV, but it didn't really, it was just like, who do I want to hold down B? Do I want to watch Prompto do stuff, or do I want to watch... Obviously, you stuff. want to watch Prompto do stuff because yeah. Prompto is Prompto, your boy Prompto. Um, but Final Fantasy VII had the thing where you would be able to set people up with some guy's attacks, and then like you could set roles. So like Barrett was my healer until Aerith came out, right? And then Aerith was my healer, and then Barrett was my tank, and then I'd have like Cloud to go and clean up everything as a DPS. And it really, like, it was kind of intense. Like, you would switch between them, and you'd be like, okay, set that up really quick. Okay, go back to him. Make sure he can do his his limit break. And then I'll go go through here, and I gotta do it before that, because that rocket will knock me out of it, and then yep. that'll take away my, my meter. And it became kind of like, um, almost like a management kind well, of thing. You, where, like, yeah, and that stuff feels really cool when you're in, like, a big battle or a boss. But it yeah. feels like a burden when you're just trying to make your way across the damn overworld and you have to do that to every fight in order to do it efficiently 
Yeah. I didn't I felt some of the enemies were like that. Like those wind guys who were resistant to everything but Aerith's magic. And you'd have to wait for Aerith's count cooldown. And you'd just basically have to sit there and just make sure you didn't die yeah. while she was sitting in a corner. Those were bad. Um but like you know, there was bosses that actually had mechanics. Like there was that uh, towards the end when you're climbing that tower. There's a uh, like an airship you have to fight, and it's basically like a super armored, super powerful, like regular enemy that you would fight because you fought like those little helicopter airship kind of drones. And this is like a big one, and you're like, okay, I know how to kill these. But then you find out in the course of the fight that it does this move that it paints a target and you're able to basically make it paint the target on itself and it destroys its armor and then you can actually do damage it, it basically puts it into the I don't remember what they call the state but when they're like broken and all of your shit does double damage I think isn't it staggered staggered or something yeah I, that might be what they called it yeah basically uh, it's the only way to do like real damage yeah you build enemies. up you build up a, like a stamina meter and then once yeah. it once it breaks they lose some health and they take double damage from everything, and they just sort of sit there. They just sit there and let you wail on them. Yeah. yeah. And the whole point of the combat system is to, like, find the best way to build up that gauge and... Right. And yeah, like, different things who are weak to... If you're weak to wind magic, that'll make it go up really high. Right. Some Some things are weak to, like, piercing damage. Some things are weak to blunt damage, that kind of stuff. Um, but this thing was, like, you fight it, and you're like, wow, I'm not able to stagger it. And then you have to find out that it staggers itself. And you have to make it stagger itself. And there's cool things like that, like you don't normally see in, you know, especially not in Final Fantasy VII, like in the original. Right. Yeah. You know, for it's sure. your typical turn-based combat. So I, I don't know. I really like the Final Fantasy VII remake. I, I did too. Like it. I'm really excited for the second part. I will be first in line for yeah. part two for like absolutely for sure. Um. Yeah, I thought that was great. If if this were a list of top tens, it like the Final Fantasy remake would be like number six probably. I'm, yeah, I'm Resident Evil Three would be on my top ten. Just sure because well. it's like it's so damn cool. Uh, it's if, very even cool. even if I didn't like every moment of like playing it, that game was just. I remember like, awesome. I sent you uh, a video of when you go into. Um, like the what? What is the tower called? What's the the Shinra? The Shinra headquarters, headquarters yeah. at the end, and it's just like the vibe and the fucking the atmosphere and the music in that part. Completely awesome. Like I was like, fuck. Like this is some like Blade Runner shit. Like this is crazy. Yeah. Like you don't expect it's that awesome. from yeah from. Oh, it actually, re- the I was reminded of that the Shinra building. Um, going through the corpo path in Cyberpunk. In Cyberpunk, yeah. In the beginning, yeah, like the the the, the building Ar- you started. building Arasaka you started. Building, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. It was really cool. Uh, okay, great. So your number four uh, is the Final Fantasy VII remake, which yep. is a, a a very good choice. Uh, my number three, I'm I'm probably actually going to have to explain to most people what it is. Um, it's a game called Monster Train. It's a game that came out on Steam. Um, it's out on on Xbox now, which is great. It's on Game Pass, so you can download it for free if you if you have that service. But basically, it is a, a single player um, deck building game. The the concept is you're um, on a train that's going through the frozen wasteland of hell. The train 
has a furnace at the top that has the last uh, bit of hellfire in it. You have to keep it burning, and enemies board the train from the bottom level, and you have to build a a force across the three floors below the furnace to keep out um, the enemies that are coming. And the, the brilliant thing about the game is the there's five factions that you can pick from um you unlock more as you unlock um the factions as you go you start with only um two unlocked but eventually you get five you pick a main faction and a a sub faction and you get units and spells from both factions you can mix and match the decks they all have different um you know strengths and weaknesses you can kind of um, determine from kind of from the get-go what you want your main strategy to be and then depending on the you know the rng of what cards you get as rewards can shape what kind of a deck you want to go with so yeah. like after ever every encounter you get a choice of three cards you get to add um you know to your deck one of three cards that you get to add and um, certain points let you take away some cards because your deck starts with cards that you might not want going forward you might want to streamline that sort of stuff and you upgrade your your units as you go through and you just try to get increasingly or try to get by increasingly difficult um stages of enemies it's a super simple premise and it would not work if the balance wasn't good because it is a very hard game it's a it's a roguelike it's meant for you to sort of fail a lot and Basically, at the end of your run, when you die or when you are victorious, um, you know, you kind of have, there's like a meta system where you level up your factions and unlock new cards and stuff. And then most of the actual leveling up and powering up happens inside each match. So you'll you'll start off with a a basic deck of cards and you'll build it up through your run. Um, It's a really fun game. I realize I can't really explain it very well uh, but it's a game that i've put just a ton of time into on pc and i've put more time into it now um that it's on xbox the console version is actually really good they did a great job it is yeah, it's, um, it's bringing excellent. the controls and stuff over it's very very slay the spire-esque yes if you played slay the spire which was i don't know if it was it, it wasn't my best game of last year but it was by far my most played game of last year was slay the spire um, another really good um, kind of roguelike deck building game. Um, so definitely check that out as well. But number three for me um, was Monster Train. Yeah, Monster Train. Monster Train. One of the things where it might have been on my top five if I had played it when you told me to. <laughs> like when it came out on Steam earlier this year, you were fucking raving about it, and I was like, "Yeah, that looks really cool." Then I was like, oh, "I got Slay the Spire." Yeah, it, it it hooked me, man, like right from the get-go. And it's one of those games, too, where like it's the atmosphere is really charming, but it's not like you have to pay close attention to the storyline as it progresses. So, no, you know, it's perfect. It's, for... it's very it's very cool. It's got a cool style. It's kind of cute. It is. It's a it's the most adorable vision of hell you'll ever yeah, see. Yeah, it's kind of cute. Some of it's kind of horrifying, but also kind of cute. Like the the shadow guys who have a bunch of weird mouths and stuff. Yeah, like, but they're really gross, but on... they're also like. On top of that, you know, the guys with the gaping maws and stuff, there's also a demon salesman you find who has an old-timey mustache, but the mustache is just, uh, like, inverted devil horns. Inverted devil horns, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just adorable. He's a very hip cheerio kind of a guy. Yeah, I I love that game. It's excellent. The the little merchant is the giant uh, giant giant-headed cat. 
Yep, yep. Just kind of weird, makes weird purring sounds as you're browsing his wares. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. That, that game's good stuff. That, that's another thing. It's probably on my top ten. Just, I just got into it. Yeah, you played it for the first time when it was the on Xbox. First time right? when it was on Xbox, yeah, and I so... put a lot of time into it. It's a very good like. Ah, I'm not super tired right now. I just want to kind of like. Right, that's just what I'm saying. It's perfect. Like, chill like, out wanna, before like, bed. Listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video yeah. or something. It's a great game to just throw on. And Been playing of a lot of that while watching like Critical Role and stuff. Yeah, like very like, good. I'm focusing yeah. mostly on what I'm watching, but. Like, it's kind of the opposite of when I put something on in the background. Yeah. I, I love I like a game that you can play in the background. Uh, I was... One of my friends on Steam uh, asked me about it when I was playing it earlier this summer. Like, they sent me a message and they're like, Hey, is that game any good? Like, what's it like? And I described it. Um, I think it's fairly accurate. Mm-hmm. I was like, the vibe I get from the game is like, if Darkest Dungeon didn't make you clench your sphincter the entire time you were playing it. Basically. Yeah, kinda. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, Darkest Dungeon is one of those games that I love playing it uh, for a little bit. Right. <laughs> like, I, I love the atmosphere and the like the concept of Darkest Dungeon so much. That game stressed me out so much playing it on PC that I, I bought the Nintendo Switch version of it just so that I could have it to play on the plane because I was afraid of flying. And I thought the stress of Darkest Dungeon would help ease... Would ease the real-life stress? Right. Yeah. But unfortunately, the way my brain works, my fear of flying overrode my ability to even boot my goddamn Switch, so... (laughs) Um, That's fair. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, Monster Train. Check it out. It's an excellent, excellent game. That's a good one. Uh, Okay, my number three is this is becoming a trend in my best of lists every year um it's valhalla the new assassin's creed oh god i'm uh, a little bit into that but holy crap it's good so far the new the new style of assassin's creed um from origins origins odyssey and now valhalla are so fucking addicting and it it's weird to say this because I mean it it does technically technically do have the Ubisoft formula. You know, people make fun of like the Ubisoft open world formula where it's right. this you, huge you, you open climb world. the tower, you climb yeah, the tower, you, you figure tower. out what you can do in that area right. and then you... you that's what kind of what you have in Assassin's Creed. Well it's not kind of it's what you have in Assassin's Creed. In these games you have your your sync your synchronization points. Which honestly, the first Assassin's Creed might have been the game that started that. Yeah, I think people it, it became the... a meme with Far Cry Three because yeah. you always you climbed up the towers you up and the then tower. you zip line down all of them. Yeah, but it's been the formula since Assassin's Creed One. Like that was the point of that game too. You get into right. a new area, you would find the highest point and synchronize. Like and that see was... where you, see what things you could do. Yeah, um, but they've gone into more of a whereas the old Assassin's Creed games were. How would you describe the, the old Assassin's Creed games? They were. Open world action games, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like, I mean, they were. I I remember when they first like showed Assassin's Creed. I thought it was going to be like medieval hitman, and that's kind of how it was structured, like story wise, because every like place you went, you just had a different target you had to take down. Yeah, yeah. Um, the assassination parts of the game were very hitmanish. Yeah, uh, the uh, like honestly, I don't know you. The first Assassin's Creed was much more linear than the other ones. Yeah. Like, 
Assassin's yes. Creed 2, like, was, like, without any question, an open-world game. Yeah. Assassin's Creed 1 is kind of borderline, but, yeah, I I, I would I think it falls on the side of being open-world for sure. Yeah. But now they've gone into a an RPG uh, kind of thing with it, where Origins was, like, very mild in its RPG aspects. Like, you had weapons and stuff that would... Um, you had weapons and you had, like, um, your skill tree and stuff. But, you know, you had... Your armor was purely cosmetic. You would just, like, find outfits and stuff. That wasn't kind of the point of that game. Right. Um, but, it you know, it introduced the new combat system that they have, which is very, like... Um, like a quicker, a little less technical Dark Souls. Right. Uh, you you, you your, use the the shoulder buttons. The shoulder for... buttons for for the combat, and then you have your your block or your deflect, depending. Um, all that stuff, which was very different because before it was kind of a counter based thing. Yeah, kind, would, kind of like the Arkham, the, the Arkham, Arkham style. style. Of like, yeah, you basically, if combat. you like timed it right, you could just kill people and in, in, with one button press with one button press without taking any damage and you yeah. felt really fucking cool and it looks fucking awesome. it looks really great yeah uh they've kind of shot away from that and have moved into more of a more of a, an rpg feel and valhalla i think is like the perfection of that um where the the rpg elements are are very good now they have a tree and essentially your equipment your equipment levels up separately from you. Um, so if you have like leveling up your equipment basically gives you more stuff to work with, with it. Um, so like, as you level up your, let's say you have a sword you really like, as you level it up to like rare and then, uh, like exotic or whatever you level up, it's rarity. You get more slots for runes and stuff that you could put in and like add fire damage, add, you know, poison damage. Um, increase the damage of your of your deflections like that kind of stuff uh, but your actual power in combat where like based on how much damage you do to people and how much damage they do to you is just from leveling up and every time you level up you get three i believe two or three um points that you can put into this massive like path of exile style uh constellation map and you have your stealth your melee, your combat, and then your ranged combat. And then they connect in different ways. And as you, like, it's clouded when you when you start it. And as you create nodes of it, it opens it up and you can see different things. And at the, at the center or around each kind of node is, like, a special ability. So, that sounds pretty awesome. So you can get, like, the ability to dual-wield two-handed weapons. And then you get the ability to, when you dual wield weapons in that game, your primary attacks are based on what you're holding in your mainland, and then your, um, basically your deflection t- style and your, um, basically your left bumper acts as like a block if you have a shield, and a deflect if you have another weapon, um, and then you can hold it down to do things. So like if you have a spear in your in your left hand, you can charge up a thing where you stab them and then kind of pull them towards you. Oh, and cool. then you can get in with your right hand. Um, and then eventually you can get a skill where you can swap during combat. So you literally just throw your weapons into the other hand. Oh, so cool. if, you, if you're if you fighting a guy who's like, oh, fuck, I, I need the spear in my main hand for this guy, you can just fucking swap it. And then you get your defensive weapon 
you know, you switch out your, it's, it's things like that. Like it, if you want to go full hog into doing the ranged combat, there's a whole tree for different bow styles. Um, there you can get like in the other Assassin's Creed games, you can get the, the shot where you, you know, have the arrow that you hold it down and you can basically aim the arrow as it's flying through the air. Um, all that stuff is there, but they've they've streamlined how to unlock all of this stuff. That makes it a lot, uh, a lot more addicting and a lot more rewarding. I think, because you can level up the way you want to. There's, um, there's not a whole lot of like, oh fuck, I have to get this before I can get this. Right? You can just sort of look. And see, like, okay, I want to look, I want to move towards that, and you can beeline it towards that. So, if you really want to get one specific skill, you can, you can get that skill that normally maybe in Odyssey or something it would take you however many hours of gameplay to get to that point. Yeah. So they they really they really went into the uh, the uh, like you were saying the uh, RPG. I don't know why I couldn't think of that fucking word. The RPG direction, because like Odyssey added, uh, like the gear system, right? Where yep. you had like actual armor pieces and stuff, which, um, you know, I liked. I think a lot of people were pretty critical of it because it seems like, uh, it's a something that could be used for untoward monetization. Uh-huh. Um, but I like it just as a, like I I like loot, like yeah. It's fun to loot stuff. Loot is fun. It's fun to get. And equip this, shit and feel more powerful. This game has it has that, but it has it has a finite amount of gear. Like um, it's kind of like Breath of the Wild in that sense, where you have armor sets, and there's once you get it, you have it. It's not like it's not like you get like oh, I picked up a piece of heavy armor. And then you kill another guy, and he's like, oh, that one's plus one. Oh, it's the same armor, but now this one does this ability. And I'm going to swap it out. It's once you get, like, there's armor sets, and they have their specific abilities. And once you get them, you know, you get to find the pieces of it throughout the world or earn them in different ways. And once you get them, you have them. And then if you really like that armor set, you can upgrade it. And if you don't, you can just fucking leave it. You don't have to put your resources into it. Um, so it's kind of like... Um, it's it's like a middle ground between Origins and Odyssey, whereas Origins had like it had its weapons and then it had outfits that you would get, and there were specific ones like oh you do this quest line and it gives you this outfit, or you you know find all of these collectibles and it'll bring you to this outfit. It's kind of like that in this where it's like oh you talk to this guy and you do this quest line and he'll give you this helmet, and there's the that's the one helmet in the game like that that helmet. There's one of it. You can't find like a better version of it on a guy later. Like you get get it at the beginning, and then, oh man, I know that type of enemy drops that. So I'm gonna kill that enemy when I'm higher level, and I'm gonna get a better version of this. Like you get a better version of it by making it better. Okay. Like you upgrade it. That's if, cool. If you don't like want that. a better version of it, you can leave it. I also like that it's kind of thematically fitting because it's Vikings, and like I just I picture like forges and shit. So like upgrading yep. stuff. I I think that makes sense. Yeah. Plus the the game like I've only played a little bit of it not because uh I didn't like it at, at all it was because it came out at a time where I started to get insanely busy at work mm-hmm. um and there was I just didn't have like any free time to play anything that required a lot of thought and effort yeah um 
So Valhalla is on my list. Just judging from, like, the gameplay, like, how, like, brutal the combat is, oh, how, that, yeah, that's how much thing. I love, like, Vikings and Norse mythology and all that stuff, Valhalla would probably be on my list had I been able to play it more, so. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. They did not shy away. At, at times in the new ones, it feels like, because Assassin's Creed has always been pretty brutal. Like, it's, yeah. it's been about, like, the flashy kills, right? But and, it's usually with, like, you know, blades, where you're doing it, and you're you're slashing and, and poking and prodding. This one, it's like, you're fucking carving people. Like, you remember that scene in Valhalla Rising, where he guts the guy with the arrowhead? Yeah. And pulls his intestines out? Yeah. It, it's like the video game version of that. Yeah, it's like, savage. It's, it's, it's fucking, like, you don't just hurt them like you fucking break these people yeah and, it, and it's it's kind of that time it's that time period it's the viking right like it's you're... it's just savage and there are people amazing. literally the storyline is you go to england so you can fucking raid yeah like it's a new land and we could fucking take it <laughs> and that's that's the story like i mean it gets more complex than that and it, it ties into the other Assassin's Creed games, you know, with the Animus and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just... Uh, out of this year is probably the game that I put the most amount of hours in the fastest. Like, yeah, that was one of those ones where you're like, oh, I gotta beat it before this other stuff comes out. And I'm like, good fucking luck with that. And then you ended up doing it. So. Yeah. I sunk, like... I think uh, almost 100 hours when I beat it. And there's still a whole lot of shit I haven't done yet. Um, yeah, yeah. Ask Creed Odyssey, or sorry, Odyssey. Valhalla is one that I I need to play. I think that's a that's a solid choice for your number yeah. three, right? Number three. Yeah. Excellent. Number two, I have a feeling this one is going to be on your list as well, Blair. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. That's my number two. That's my, that's my number two. Ghost of Tsushima is um, a 
a samurai action game um, where you fight off the Mongol horde by becoming the ghost, who's basically a a samurai who has, I don't know, forsaken the Bushido code, but definitely plays along the fringes of it with his tactics, um, you know, doing things like assassination and using uh, explosives and, and arrows and Poison all that sort of stuff on top of amazing sword play. Um, man, th- that game is phenomenal for a lot of reasons. One, they, uh, they nailed the setting. Like I, oh, I absolutely yeah. love feudal Japan and I mean, this fucking nailed it. It was fucking gorgeous. It had, uh, you know, not there. It's an open world game, but there's not a lot of like fluff. And I know that's weird to say because like one of the things you do in the game is find spots to make a haiku while you meditate mm-hmm. and look at stuff. But like, that that sounds like it would be the filleriest filler that's ever filled. But it's super thematic. But it's 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 thematic and it's um like relaxing and serene and I don't know, it was really well done. Like I it was a really good juxtaposition to the fucking brutal violence that you bestow upon your enemies in that game. Yeah. Um the the combat in that game is so good. It it's is so perfect. It yeah. is so fun. Um it, it straddles the line perfectly between being like easy to learn and difficult to master. Like it, it's just a phenomenal game. Like if it weren't for the game that was my number one, um, this would have taken it easily like on any other year because I played the hell out of it. I enjoyed pretty much every damn moment of it. And it's a game where like when I, I feel like getting back into that kind of game, I'm going to go through it again, like for sure. Yeah. yeah, a game that big and meaty, saying that I'm gonna go through it again is, it's sort of a big statement. That's a that's a yeah, it's a feat to have a game that that's that's that long, but warrants a second playthrough. Plus, they have the uh, the Kurosawa mode, um, which lets you play it in black and white, and oh, it changes man, the soundtrack. That'd be, that'd be so cool. Um, and that's probably when I'm gonna play it in Japanese as well. Um. Because that's one of the things. It's made by American developers. It is. It's made and by Sucker Punch. It has, the, it, you know, the Sly Cooper infamous. It has movies. a full Japanese cast, uh, but you know, for the most part, I think they're Japanese American actors, yeah. um, and the dialogue and everything is in English uh, with accents because that's just how the actors were, right? Um, but there is a Japanese uh, voice. There's Japanese voice work in it. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where when they were making the game, they weren't sure they were going to be able to get that done. So it is, it's not, it's not lip synced. Um, the game is lip synced in English because they had actors and mocapped in English. Yeah. Because they're, again, they're American developers and they, they, they like, I, you can tell they understood that they were, might come under fire. People being like, Oh, you should leave the Japanese games to Japanese developers. Yeah, there, um, there was a very, very small very, minority of a people. Very, yeah, it was a the, very The funny thing is, minority. like, a- almost everything that I've seen from Japanese developers was praise. Um, I, I saw, I think it was the, the lead designer on Yakuza saying that he, he wishes it was a Japanese developer because it was so it was well so, done. Because it was so good, right, yeah. right. Uh, like not not like oh man it sucks that that was done by an American developer but like uh like I I wish we could have something that was that right representative of our like because it, it like apparently the map is very very well done yeah 
Yeah, like the environments it's... and stuff are are very accurate, um, which is pretty cool. You know, that's always when you try to do a realistic map of a setting that you know you don't have. We don't have pictures of feudal Japan. Like yeah. we have paintings. Yep. And we have, you know, like geographic, like maps. We have maps and like different geographic, like historical documents. But it's there's no way like like nowadays you could just go and take pictures of every corner of some city and then recreate it perfectly if you took the time to. Yeah. Whereas now you could you know freaking you could take a piece of Google Maps and have a fucking algorithm make a level for you nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. True. You can't do that with ancient Japan. True. Um, so yeah, Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima is like a, it's one of those like technical and just one of those game those games that are like everything everything that went into it just fucking hit exactly how it should have. It really did. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's phenomenal. Like I said, that well, it's a game where if it weren't for the game that is my number one, um, it would have easily easily taken it because that game is just i was i remember i was saying that when it was coming out and we were getting like the story trailer and stuff i told you i was like it's gonna the world the world's gonna have to work real hard for this not to be my game of the year yeah yeah um which yeah it got real close yeah for for sure and now there's a a free expansion they released for it that has multiplayer and like a whole new game mode i played quite Um, a bit of that and it's fucking awesome it's the kind of thing that most games would would justifiably charge money for and they just threw it out as a a, f- a free update which is crazy like it's nuts it's nuts the amount of the amount of content they added to it after the yeah battle. i mean so just all around that game is um deserving of every bit of praise that has been heaped upon yeah. um so that was my number two news that was your was number, number two, two as, as well, well. yeah okay well um without further ado um, anyone Our number ones are going to be very different. I think they're they're going to be very. Di- I I know what yours you know is. What my, and, I know what yours and, is, and you know yeah. what mine is. So, uh, anyone that knows me probably knows what mine is. My uh, number one game of the year is uh, Doom Eternal, which um, came out in March. Uh, you know, really right as quarantine was kind of kicking in, um, during a time where. My anxieties about just about everything were at an incredible, incredible high point. And it was a game that was like fast and furious and polished and um, optimized to hell, um, balanced wonderfully, even though it's balanced to be a fucking dickhead a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, just an amazing, amazing game. Now, I'm incredibly biased because. Uh, you know, boomer shooters are my, they're my forte. I've, I've gotten into a first person shooter kick at the end of 2019 and I've never left it. Um, yeah, I've been, I've probably put more time into, well, this year, let's see, I, I beat, um, Brutal Doom just recently on Ultraviolence for the first time. I beat Doom 2 for the first time on Ultraviolence. I beat, uh, Doom 64. I beat Brutal Doom 64 which is actually quite a bit different. Um, I'm almost done with uh, Quake 1.5 on hard. I beat Quake 2 RTX. I'm now going through it on hard. Um, I am almost done with a Medieval. I played through the entirety of the early access for Proteus, which is 
phenomenal. If that if that game were in full release, that would be on my my list for sure because it's just phenomenal. But my yeah. point is, first person shooters are like, especially old school kind of first person shooters are my bread and butter right now. And uh, Doom Eternal is just I, I can't think of a first person shooter I've played that is is better. I'm sure there there are games that have better elements, but when it comes to coming together as a cohesive whole, like as a package, it just had everything that I wanted. Like it was, it was so over the top in its production values and its, you know, its audio. I just recently got the soundtrack because of, there was a bit of controversy with it when it came out. Um, so it's hard to find, but I finally got it and it's like 52 tracks. Like it's, it's fucking huge. Like everything about the game is excessive. Like from the, you know the actual content of the game to like the fact that you could run it at 60 frames per second on a shitty old laptop the fact that the game loads into you know from the main menu into gameplay in a shorter amount of time than it takes to read the name of the damn level on the loading screen like it's just i can't think of a game that's more well optimized that has more like technical polish on it it's great to see that like it is on top of it again because they were for a long time like the kings of game engines and technology and then it sort of became they were good at making tech but not so great at making games they were good at making like tech demos like a lot of people said that about the game rage like it was just a tech demo that didn't have a lot of gameplay um and then you you fast forward to like doom eternal and it's, I don't know, it's phenomenal. Um, I, I put probably 35 hours in it on console. I have 20 hours into it on PC. I started the DLC, which is shaping up to be incredibly good and, and fast and brutal. Um, it's just like the full package. I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I will, I mean, it's not a perfect game. There are some issues with it. I don't like... Um, there's a particular new enemy, uh, called, <laughs> called the Marauder. I don't know what you're talking about. That is arguably, it arguably, um, interrupts the flow of combat because of the way you have to kill him. Um, so it's not, you know, perfect in that way. I think it's a little odd that it gives you, um, basically it tells you how to kill every enemy the first time you encounter them. Like... You find the Arachnatron in the first level. Yeah, the game has a fucking Arachnatron in the first level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it tells you, like, hey, its weak point is this big cannon it has on its big back. dumb gun. Yeah, you oh. gotta take it out. That's its weak point. And that that's... It's cool that it tells you that. Oh, hey, a Kako But game it doesn't all the way up mouth. until the last boss. It tells you how to, like, what the last boss's weak point is, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Does it do that with Marauders? Yeah. If it did, it didn't help. Yeah, you know it does. It it tells you it tells you what you do, it, what you have to do. You know, it tells you that when its eyes flash green, it's it's weak. Um, it doesn't necessarily tell you like how to press what the to attack do with after that, that. Yeah, but it's, also uh... my my big issue with the Marauder is that it's the one regular enemy in the game you can't kill with the fucking sword. 
Right, right. That that's my that's my issue with it, honestly. Which I, you I think, think they would could, be the perfect enemy for that. I think they could leave the Marauder exactly as powerful as he is with his exact weaknesses, but like the game has three weapons that are considered like the ultra weapon that you save your ammo for. There's the BFG, there's the Unmaker. If you if you unlock it, it's a secret yep. weapon you have to um, beat all the combat challenges to get, and then you get um, the um, whatever the hell the sword's called the crucible crucible yeah which is basically a sword that you rarely find charges for to power and it just kills enemies in one hit even the like the cyber demon equivalent mm-hmm. which the game calls a tyrant um, you whip it out and it fucking kills it because yeah. that's what an ultimate weapon does the marauder is immune to the sword and if you waste a bfg or unmaker shot on it you're a fool because it does basically block, nothing to you it you can block yeah. all of it yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of I think it defeats the purpose of of the super weapons? of the super weapons. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's the one thing that like I'd be like, oh, I got something for his ass, and you go to hit him with your sword, and you're just ding. He's like, because oh, killing a okay. marauder is you need to invest like fifteen to twenty seconds to focus just on him to kill it, which doesn't sound like much, but in Doom time in in a arena where you're fighting. You you want to the spend shit? you want to spend one to two seconds on everything, right? You want to be and able if you to can't kill it, quick. kill it. So, if you can't kill it within one to two seconds, you move on and you continue to get it later. In the grand like, scheme of like deadliness, the Marauder doesn't kill you nearly as fast as something like a Mancubus does, or or a Tyrant, or um, even those fucking Naga snake motherfuckers. Oh yeah. The problem is he's he requires your focus, and so it would be good to be able to just like make the calculation in your head: is it worth wasting? Or spending, utilizing like in uh, one of my ultra weapons. The answer is to, yes. To speed this if up, if it worked, the it would. Is yes. It would have been good. I that that that's my opinion. Um, that's pretty much the only bad thing I can say about Doom Eternal. I I seriously have in the fifty plus hours that I put into it across two platforms, I have I can't think of a bug I've seen, and that that's the no. truth. It, yeah. it, it's that kind of polished, um, which working in QA like I do is something that just true blows my mind. So, yeah. Doom Eternal is is number one for me. Doom Eternal would have been my number five. I was debating between that or Animal Crossing, and I decided Animal Crossing because Animal Crossing didn't make me hate myself at all. Whereas occasionally you, you, Doom Eternal like, made me hate just myself. for just for time played. You needed to put Animal Crossing. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you needed to balance out the gore and horribleness in the other games. Yeah, that's true. That's true, because my number one is The Last of Us 2. The Last of Us 2, I remember, I think I'm the only person in the entire world who loved that game immediately after it was done. Whereas, like, even you had to take some time. I remember remember you were like, you were like, I'm not... You, You basically told me, like, that was amazing, but I'm gonna have to just you know I'm gonna have to think about it for a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, there, there was there was a couple of reasons. I don't want to get into spoilers, or I'm not gonna no. say what it was, but there were a couple of choices that felt like t- to at the time to me felt like unnecessary pain for the main character. Uh, and as I thought on it, and as time went by, I think I see more where they were going with the direction and it really was something that was 
telegraphed more than I gave it credit for being telegraphed. Mm-hmm. It felt like a like a bait and switch at the very end, whereas the reality of it is that's not the case at all. Like I was just not interpreting a lot of the the signals um, yeah. along the way. So yeah, it was one of the things where I did need to take a little bit of time, but I came around. Um, a lot like Ghost of Tsushima too. I played The Last of Us Two, which is one of the most gorgeous fucking games I've ever seen. Yeah, on a base PlayStation Four, and I found no bugs. Yeah, yeah. I, I found was... I had no parts where the game like broke. I found no parts where I can't even think of like funny, like funny visual glitches I can think of. And no, like Ghost of Tsushima so. Ghost of Tsushima is, you know, it's an open world game, so I saw some of that stuff. But like Ghost of Tsushima as Remarkably well as this. Little, yeah. For, no, absolutely. Yeah. But Ghost of Tsushima along with this, what I'm kinda get at is like now when something gets released, because we're so we're now into the next console generation, technically. Yeah. Now whenever something gets released you have to be like, oh, but is it gonna play on my base PlayStation 4? Right. Both of these games came out at the end of this console generation, and they're the most optimized fucking things I've ever played yeah. on a base base PlayStation 4. Like, the, the load times, first of all, this is something I didn't talk about in Ghost of Tsushima that I forgot to. The fastest fucking load times I've ever seen on a console game. Yeah, and now that you mention An it. open world console game, even on base PlayStation 4, it was insanely fast. Yeah. Even something like, like GTA 5, where there's not a lot of load times once you get into the game. Like, you wait you have that a couple of load minutes time. That's yeah, to get load, the initial yeah. load going, yeah. Um, the Last of Us 2 was also like that. It, it was um, it was just one of those things where I was playing it, and I was like, I'm playing this on, like, a fucking four- or five-year-old console. And it's, it's fucking insane. How, like, I'm watching this happen on, like, the same console that I bought three years ago and it was i bought it on sale because it was already old because it was already a few years old yeah. yeah um i think the sony's like flagship game that's something that they they do pretty well i think god god of war a couple years ago was like that as well yes where, um you know we had just the base and that that was right when the ps4 pro came out so like yeah it was a big deal it was a big deal that i was like super optimized for if it. you didn't mind playing it at like 30 frames per second it was fine on, on base ps4 yeah um but, like, The Last of Us 2 has, like, ray tracing levels of, like, reflections and shit in everything. In puddles, on, like, reflective surfaces, there's working mirrors, which is insane to see in a game like that. Like, you'd expect, like, a lot of games, you know, even even Cyberpunk that just came out. Like, when you play it on a good, on a good PC, it's ridiculously gorgeous. Yeah. But even that, but there's no, it yeah. has activated mirrors. Like, yeah. they, they, they worked it into the narrative where the mirrors don't activate until you get in front of it. Yeah, but it's really because they it's really because don't have ref- the computing power. And reflective yeah. surfaces like that adds a whole fuckload of computing power. Um, the Last of Us 2 is just full of little details like that. And, and it's it's insane. Like, the amount of craft that went into every single corner of that game yeah. is yeah. insane. And I, I, um, I know that most people wrote that game off... Um, because of the story. And a lot of people wrote it off before the game came out because there was a leak. Right. Right. Um, 
and it was just like so much vitriol and like the fucking actors like Laura Bailey who plays the character that people don't like got death threats like legitimate death threats because they didn't like what her character did yeah not that she wrote the character even she just portrayed the character unbelievably petty um the thing is that that's the greatest trick that that game does is that character abby in the beginning of the game does something that is so sickening i was like not a chance in hell can this character be redeemed in my eyes and not even you know without even getting to the end of the game that had already changed it already turned around oh yeah um, yeah, I, it's the thing is anyone who wrote the game off because of that is kind of, a, sorry for kind, kind of a baby in my opinion. Oh. And anyone who wrote it off because, oh, there's a trans character in it. Go fuck yourself. No, fuck yourselves. Seriously, so, go fuck yourself. And has... anyone who's upset that Abby is muscular and not traditionally beautiful. Fuck yourself. Seriously. Like, get a fucking light, dude. Yeah. When I'm telling you that, that's pretty fucking <laughs> But no, it, it had fucking, uh, like, everything about the game worked for me. Um, like I said, we talked about the boss fights already, which I don't think are bad. I think they're unnecessary. Yeah, um, I don't think they're bad either. I, I had a bad time with one of them, and in, in the game's defense, I was using a strategy that made sense to me, but that I can understand why they didn't like program the game to work like that. Basically, I remember, I remember I, talking to you about that. Yeah. And you were like, oh, that's how you did it? And yeah. I was like, oh, I can see why you I did it. I was like, way, I, I instantly saw an area and I was like, I can put distance between myself and the boss. But what I really had done was just box myself in and made my life hell trying to complete that strategy Mm -hmm. and then when i did it the way that you told me you did it i was like oh okay yeah i'm kind of kind of (laughs) dumb um but i think you know just like thematically it's just not the kind of game that needs boss fights necessarily that that is the one boss fight i i would disagree with you on the rest of them the rest of them are just like bigger people (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Or like it's a uh, and, point. And like, it's a point where your guns are gone or something, and you have to wrestle with this person. And there is just like one of them in particular towards the end, where you're you're like, oh my god, you're still alive! Like yeah. as it's happening, you're like, just it. Die. Rem- it reminded me of uh, in Resident Evil Six when you're I can't think of what the thing is called, but when you're Jake, there's that thing that's like literally on the Frankenstein, the Frankenstein's monster looking motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. You just can't kill it no matter what you do. Yeah, and he's That's like chasing you that throughout that entire game. Yeah, um, but no, the the just the regular gameplay on its own. I I've said this so many times this year, and it's never. I think I've actually grown to like the game more as time has gone on, but it has the best stealth action gameplay I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's and really it's, good. It's, it 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 strikes like for me the perfect balance of um, having good AI and still being easy to pull off, which is not easy to do because usually mm-hmm. it's either a fucking pain in the ass where you have to be precise to the pixel hiding in spots and time your movements like in 100% precisely in order to to make it happen. Yep. And then there's games like 
I, I don't even know an example right now, but games where the AI is just so brain dead, all you have to do is just stay a little bit out of their sight range and right. you're fine. Like you, you can run at full speed. You can, you know, don't even have to stick to shadows. Like as long as you just stay out of sight range, whatever this game has like a robust detection system for you and it has good enemy AI, but it's still relatively easy to set up an ambush and, and it, it's stealth in the sense that it never forces you into stealth. No, if, if you, um, like, were playing with, like, unlimited ammo or something, and you had a, a machine gun, you could just fight your way through. Every, there's not, like, an insta-fail stealth section. It's yeah. just, you're overwhelmed all the time. And even having unlimited ammo, if you, like, weren't invincible, it would still be difficult. It would still be a game that you would have to, you know, you would have to kind of fight your way through it. It would feel, right. it would just be a different kind of scrappy. You know, you'd feel more like a, you know... You feel like a John Wick rather than like a a John Matrix. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a like, good way to put it. Yeah, like John Wick fucking kills everybody, but he gets hurt still, right? Well, and, and know, he, he doesn't he doesn't do it with you know one handing an M sixty. Right, he does it he does it realistically. Like it's played to be really cool, but you you know what I mean. But this game is like you. You're hiding in, you know, tall grass. You're hiding behind things, under cars, um, like anywhere you can find to try to hide from these people. And, you know, you try to get them silently. And if things go wrong, you're able to, the, the environments are so big and open that even if you start shit and people start shooting at you or something, you're able to, you know, if you're able to kill, like, the one guy who sees you, you're able to sprint out of there fast enough. You can still hide and continue your stealthing at some point. Yeah, It's not one of those things where, like, once they know you're there, your stealth options are fucking gone. No, they'll look for you, and I, I'm pretty you. sure they'll stay on alert. But they'll yeah, change you your can, tactics. You still disappear. Yeah, and it it's it's one of those things where it's, I think, I think before this, um... Probably like Metal Gear Solid Five had one of the best examples of that. Where like one of the best examples of getting found and technically breaking stealth is not the end of your stealth necessarily. Right. It's you have to change your tactics and you have to do you know whatever to get out of alert. Um, but this game kind of perfected it. It's like you just do anything to survive. Yeah. And that's what every yeah. fucking encounter felt like. Like I, I used like in in most games, you you have the weapons that you, the couple of weapons that you like, and you stick to them. In this game, it was like, no, you have to use fucking everything. Like I, I constantly was going in and like picking out my shotgun, using a couple of blasts of that, and then like, oh fuck it, you know, pull out my pistol, and yeah. I go, fuck, yeah. I don't have ammo for that one. I got to pull out this one, and like you're just using everything. You're using bricks. You're using fucking bottles. You're using other enemies' weapons. Uh, Ellie now has a knife. That doesn't break, like yeah. Joel's shivs. So you're yeah, able to yeah. actually like fight off enemies that would be like an instant kill in the first game. You're able to do that. And she has a counter system. She can dodge in the middle of combat. Like it's just a lot. There's so much more you can do by adding these couple of things. Like they added the ability to go prone. They added the ability to shoot while you're prone. Um, in like any direction. So you can aim like on the ground if you're on your back in the grass. You can just aim your shot, like, you know, right poking outside of the grass and then fucking roll away under a car or something. Um, and then they added the ability to dodge 
and stuff in combat. Those are the two things that they added. Prone and dodging. And it added so fucking many options. Well, they also improved systems. Well, they improved the, the systems yeah. that were there before the, as well. The, the whole thing is just, like, smoother so, like, now. If you look at the stealth in the first game and you say, what's different about it in the second game? You have those two things. Those two things are the main, like, mechanics that they added. Yeah, on, honestly, yeah. Going prone and being able to dodge in combat. And it adds... And not having to craft shivs constantly. Yes. Well, that too. Uh, well, not necessarily because when you, you have to when you're you have when you're to Abby. when yeah. you're Abby. That's true. She basically is playing like Joel, like she's the big fucking you know she's the the bigger beefy character. Whereas Ellie is like she's what nineteen. I think when so. this game starts and she's like she's a short, like skinny nineteen year old. So she's very scrappy, and it's it shows like the, I've never seen a game like encapsulate that yeah, so well. Yeah, well. It, 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 it plays differently. And like, yeah, you are, it's an action game for the most part, right? So yeah. you are killing like a fucking bunch of people, but it feels, it feels grounded. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you, you don't feel like Ellie becomes like a typical action hero. No, like, you, it's, you, it's, you never get to a point where killing someone feels routine, honestly. No. Like, it, it, it kind of has weight. Not not even, not just, like, um, in the mechanics weighty, but, like, also, like, even the absolute scumbag people. Like, you... You feel bad sometimes. Like, the, just... The, especially when you get into the people who are, like, clearly being, you know, manipulated by cults and stuff. Like, yeah doesn't excuse the behavior they have, but it does make you feel a little bit, you and know, like bad about and the that, shit you have to do to them. That also points to how fucking good the animation and everything is in the game. Like, in most games, when you do something really brutal, when you can, like, change the camera, you, like, look right at it. You're like, oh, fucking look at that. Like, yeah. look, look, like, you get, like, the best angle so you can look at it. And this game, like, when you're, like, strangling somebody or stabbing them in the throat, the look on their face is so realistic that I would like look away. I'd be like, I don't want. To yeah, see I don't. That. I don't like, need to see the gross. light leave this guy's eyes. Yeah, and you can it, see that. Well, you can the see the light is, leave their eyes. It's fucking weird. The, the the other the other thing is that some of the characters and some of the like the factions in the game are so despicable that I did want to see it. I'm like, I want to watch this fucker suffer. Yeah, like that's you know. It's one of those games where like it's super cliche to say it, but like yeah, it's it's about like the darkness inside of people and it really makes you feel that at times which is um which yeah is really it good. gets and gross can like... i tell you uh my favorite part about the game what uh and this is not a knock because that i think this part is my favorite but okay. when you find an upgrade station and you like turn the lights on and it's always like a wood desk and then the weapon that you're working on you you pull it out and you field strip it quick yeah, and the field stripping is super realistic looking, and the the sound is perfect. The sound of it's it so dropping perfect. on the the sound the sound of the magazine coming, coming out, out yeah. the shell coming out, the the weapon getting laid on the table. It is so it's fucking incredibly pristine. satisfying. I saw people complaining about. I think Jim Sterling complained about that, and I get it because he was like, he was his complaint. He brought it up when he was complaining about the game having a lot of. Um, um, a lot of like fluff in terms of like fluff for the sake of like quote unquote realism, 
Well, like, right. like details and stuff, like like having to look through, uh, like you know, full animations for having to look through like drawers and stuff, and like he he was talking about it as a negative where you would pull out your gun and he'd watch them field strip it every time and he'd be like, I just want to fucking upgrade the gun quickly, get on with it. Sure, I, and I I kind of get, get that, that, but it was it was one of my favorite parts because I was like, first of all, the game is so intense and brutal that like that moment well yeah you one you need the breather a yeah. lot of the time and two like the world building is part of the experience right anything that like makes you feel more part of the world in a game like that in my opinion is a, a net positive especially when it's fucking well done like that um and like the placement of those things made sense and like some of them had different items and stuff on there that would give you like a quick little glimpse of like maybe who set it up um, like obviously there's one towards the beginning where it's a character that they know that they're talking about who died recently yeah. and they're going into his place and they're like finding all of his shit and they're like, Oh fuck, you had a, you had this whole thing set up and it's how they give you the tutorial on how to do that. And like, obviously that one is piece of world building cause it's kind of there in the story, but all of them kind of have stuff like that. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, and again, it adds to the details of that fucking game. Every single gun has these super super realistic details and it's that it's like the game's maybe not so subtle way of showing you like look at this fucking shit we did like appreciate our artists but fucking appreciate the artist appreciate the artist because holy crap every time you talk the shotgun and put it down on on the ground and like just like the thud of it hitting that like it's it's like viscerally satisfying it is it, it so much care went into it and uh i can't wait for a day when the gaming industry has evolved to a point where i don't have to think about the crunch that went into making that happen yeah uh you know just get, get i mean to yeah. get to a point where like yeah I, I bet most of the things on our list had pretty bad crunch yeah but yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's a f- a freaking game out there that doesn't crunch. Uh, right. You know, there's it's so much so that like when a studio doesn't crunch, it's a it, it's a news story basically. Like mm-hmm. um, the only one I can think of right now is um, uh, Perfect World, who does Neverwinter. They have a no a no crunch policy. Basically, right. it's like the shit's done when it's done, and. That's the way it like is. It. <laughs> our, peop- our people have have lives, and that's just the fucking way it is. And that's awesome. I I I, I wish more places were like that. And yeah. it's not completely untrue when some people say like, "Oh, these people are invested in the game. They they do it willingly. Um, oh, in yeah. some cases, I mean, they want to. Uh, of of course, that is the case. The problem is that having some people that want to do that." sort of unfairly coerces other people on the team to do it as well right and it's just not it's not healthy it's not good for anyone really in my opinion now if there was if it was a situation where we knew that everyone was getting paid overtime and getting you know meals bought for them and uh and that management and project management was doing things to ensure that people still got time with their families and things that would be one thing but I think, you know, the management, project management, especially in the games industry, is just, it's a, it's a mess. And I mean, um, we've both been in it. Yes. We've both been through crunch. You've been through crunch many fucking times. I've been through it a few. 
I, I've been I, I've been uh, through crunch every year for the last thirteen years, and you know, some I... worse than others, some seemingly never ending, and you know that's just on the QA side of it. I mean, yeah. devs some devs have to crunch more than QA does. Yeah, um, and I hope that we get to a point where that gets uh, addressed in some meaningful way. And the thing that mm-hmm. that really disheartens me is that it's it's not new. This the story of of video games crunching is is old it's it's old news that's, everyone that's, knows it that's one of the things that kind of irks me about some of the some of the uh, the coverage of it now is that it's not treated it's not uh, sometimes it is some you know some journalists like uh i can't think of his name right now he's in he's from kotaku uh not Tatillo. one of the journalists at kotaku does some really fucking good work um, Jason was, Schreier. Jason Schreier. He's he's at Bloomberg now. He's but, at Bloomberg but, now. But they they post his articles to Kotaku. Um, but you know he he is probably the best when he talks about crunch because he does talk about it as like the deep seated problem that it is. Right, and, like, and he gets it from the perspective of employees, not right. from and like management giving platitudes to. Right, he gets it from like yeah like the people on like the boots on the ground essentially. And like we were, we're bottom fucking tier mm-hmm. as QA, and we still had to crunch. Like, like you know, there were fourteen hour days. We would come in like when I was night shift. You know, we would come in, and day shift would have their normal hours, and the night shift would have when we started to when everything was done. Yep. Whatever day shift couldn't get done, we had to get it done. <laughs> yeah. So we were there. We you know, we would there be we'd be there from noon to like sometimes three in the morning. Yep. We we drove together. So we I drove remember, together. I remember yeah. those late nights. Yeah. And it was it was it was stressful, and I was sick a lot. Um, I that was when I found out that I was prone to iron deficiencies because I kept getting bruises on my body. Right. Despite having no. Despite having like 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 no physical. Yeah, because I was in a chair all goddamn day. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And I found, you know, I was I was sick a lot. I felt like shit, but god damn it, that was fun. Like it, it, and I know that we were lucky. We were working with really cool people, and it wasn't even that I was like super invested in the project. Like no, when when you're in QA, you you don't feel a lot of pride in your work. It, it, it's we have the most thankless job in the industry, basically. Like the only time people notice QA is when something slips through and nine times out of 10, when a bug makes it into the game, it's yeah. The QA team has caught it. It, It's just a matter of, it's a will not fix or a not, not worth the time. Yeah. Like almost all, if you think you found a bug that a a good QA team hasn't, you're, you're you're kidding yourself. Yeah. You're you're, you're just wrong. Yeah. Um, That's just not how it happens. But yeah, I, I mean, I understand. I want crunch to be gone. But as of right now, I understand that as a necessary evil. And it's not... Honestly, I think... Um, I think... Blaming it on developers is the wrong thing. No, it's, it's, it's not the, the developers' fault. It's, it's, it's the people... I mean, the video game industry is such... Like, I know a lot of people don't like to think about it, but it's... Like, even kind of now even more so than like hollywood it's all about making money and the developer has like i love it when a developer gets a lot of say but to the end of the day developers are bad businessmen for the most part they have to make money 
And I think you can really tell that with like Bungie. Yeah, yeah. That that that's you look a, at that's... if you look at Bungie's yeah. ear. There, there was so much, uh, you know. So, full disclosure: I, I work in QA at Activision. I have no insight into the the workings of business practices and everything like that. But I do work for them as a company, so keep that in mind as I talk about this next part. But, um, Bungie had a deal with Activision to make Destiny and Destiny Two. It was like a ten year um, publishing agreement for Destiny, and Destiny was successful but incredibly expensive because when you have a, a talented team of people doing stuff, uh, you know, it doesn't go cheap. And they were working on, you know, really high level stuff that was time consuming. It was expensive and the game wasn't doing as well as it needed to do in order to justify all the costs that were be- that were going into it. Um, and there was a lot of missteps as well with the game itself. There was a, lo- a lot of like uproar about something in the game where it wasn't good, where there's missing content. And then they would listen to feedback and they would release a new expansion that for a little while would make everyone happy. And then sure enough, something else would come up. They they would screw something up. New expansion would come out to fix it. Everyone would, the new story became, Hey, destiny is good again. And the same thing happened with destiny too. And so what happened uh, a couple years back was um, destiny and Activision, uh, Bungie and Activision parted ways. Um, again, I have no inside information on this. Honestly, I learned more about it from the Kotaku article than I did from any internal communications. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bungie got to keep uh, Destiny, and they took control of it, and they were in charge of it. And the the story from the gaming press and from you know gaming YouTubers and everything um, was elation. They were like, Destiny is free. There's no uh, you know, there's no corporate boot on their on their neck. They can do whatever they want now. Everything is going to be great. And um, you know, I think there's there's definitely some merit to thinking that. Oh, absolutely. The you know the reality was that would be a perfect world right. where the developer is able to. They were they were people were complaining about you know Destiny Two is monetized too much. There's like a season pass where it comes with the expansion pass, which was fifty bucks. It had two expansions in it, and then between expansion passes, there was like a big expansion that would come out that would really change stuff for a while. And um, you know now that Bungie is free to do it, they they release the content and they're still doing that. But on top of that, now there's a a battle pass that you can buy into. So the game is monetized more now, not less. And, Way more. And since since they've they've left, um, they've missed several deadlines for stuff. Stuff has been pushed back more than once. I think. Yep. Not that there's anything wrong with that. If the game if it's not ready, uh, I would much prefer that they hold it back until yep. it can until it can work. Especially if that means you know not killing your development team. Unfortunately, with most companies, and I have no clue if that's the way this is at Bungie, but. Uh, actually getting an extension on your deadline is a nightmare for people working on it because it literally just means, Hey, we got three extra months to work on the game. That sounds great, but that's just three extra months of crunch that they didn't think they were going to have to go through. Right. Um, and so without knowing the details, it's hard to say if that's a good thing or, or a bad thing in the case of destiny. But I think it proved that like, yeah, Activision are the bad guys in the story for sure. They're mm-hmm. the, the businessmen that need to make sure that the, game is profitable and all that shit and that it's hitting deadlines and meeting 
um, you know, stockholders' expectations. But I think it also kind of proved that for a a big game, you need you kind of you need to have good business business acumen, and um, Bungie clearly doesn't. Right, and, and the, I the great wish, thing about... I wish we lived in a world where a developer wouldn't need a businessman. Right, they could well, just it, do it, it was cool. Well, you know what the thing is that that world exists. Indie gaming is is huge right. now. Right, it's just that the AAA industry it, it exists to make money, and if we you know don't acknowledge it, I think we're all sort of living in a fantasy world. But anyways, lots needs to change. But yes, it's very hard to point a finger. You have to point several fingers at everybody, and everybody needs to fucking change. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's so deep-seated now that like it's hard to know where to start. Yeah. Which well, is kind of know, terrifying, but... We have been rambling for a long time, so before we wrap up, though, I want to... Um, let, let's talk about um, some of the good things about this year, because this year has been a nightmare of a shit-fuck year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, worldwide... With, uh, you know, the uh, fucking presidential administration that we have, um, you know, the election, the the primary nonsense, and of course the pandemic, um, you know, the weather events, wildfires, celebrities dying. Um, the the year has been uniquely terrible, and uh, you know, personally, it's shitty. Um, you know, I we started I started my year off uh going and being really excited about a new job opportunity and oh, ha- yeah. having that fall through for what felt like awful stupid reasons um you know being on the, on the hook and thinking I might have to move for you know months at a time that fucking sucked dealing with um you know my anxiety flaring up over covid and work from home and wondering about the future and it, it just sucked. The year was a fucking nightmare. You know, you lost your job thanks to COVID. Yep. The market is dog shit, so you're still unemployed right now. And, you know, one of the worst things is just kind of isolation. Like, besides our home unit, I haven't seen... I, I, I saw Mr. B once this year. I saw Mark once this year. Um, you know, By the way, Mark and his wife have... Um, they have a, a baby girl now, and she's just unbelievably adorable. adorable. I still haven't got to meet her. Yeah, I've, I've only got to see her once. Um, you know, there's just so many people that I care about that I've seen so little. And you, you would think that getting, you know, having so much time to yourself, you would kind of get used to it. But it just gets worse the longer that it goes on, the more isolated that I, that I stay. Mm-hmm. It just sucks. And I don't like it. And... Uh, this year can eat my butt, but there were some good stuff. There were there were some good things that happened this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk about some of the good things that happened to us. So Blair, tell me something good that happened to you this year. Something good that happened to me? Yes. Uh. <laughs> uh this is off to a bad start. Something good that happened to me. Well, I mean. Most recently, uh, our our parents who um, have been very adamant since our dog died last year to get another pet because 
mom especially was like, I'm not going through that shit again. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, yeah, she, they were... it was devastating. Which it is. You know, losing a pet is. But well, they, 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 they were adamant about not getting a pet. Yes. They were, is that, is that what said. Said. Yeah, oh, they were adamant sorry. about okay, not sorry. getting another pet because mom didn't want to go through that again. Like, yeah. you know, you know, Abby was all of our baby. And she was a yeah. part of the family. It was it was really tough. It was a raw died. fucking time, but they finally decided that uh, it's worth it, and they got a kitty. We have the sweetest and she's little kitty. Just cat. the sweetest little bean I ever did see. She's, she's such a little munchkin, and I love her. She's my favorite. So that's that's probably that's been the the, the best part recently. Yeah, for sure. Just love like looking at her little face. <laughs> she's she's such a cutie pie, and she's so sweet. I mean, she bites a lot, but it's out of love. You can do, tell. Yeah. I, I I mean, we're just fucking cut we're covered shit, in but... like scratches and cuts and bite marks and stuff. But but she is just such a a, a lovey dovey cat. I lo- I love having her. You can cradle like a baby, and she'll kind of fight for a second, and then she'll be like, ah, oh, no, this is. Yep. Yeah. No, I like this. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's my big one. Okay. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, that's a a huge one for me as well. Um, you know, we haven't had a cat in the house since our, you know, Millie and Marvin, Millie which Marvin I think we got rid of in when I was in ninth grade. So yeah. long time ago, like ancient history. Um, a couple of uh, good things for me. Um, we got to take a pretty nice vacation. Um, yes, we got to take two. We, yeah, we took one two. For your birthday, I, I spent uh, we spent my birthday weekend in Duluth at Fitgers, which was it, it was great to get up there in a way. Um, the problem with it obviously was that it was in the middle of COVID, so we spent almost the entirety in our room. But e- even spending a day like in a hotel room doing what you would normally do at home, just the change of scenery. Oh, the fucking went the view we had. From yeah, that and and oh. we we really lived it up. We got fucking room service all the time. We went to we we actually ate at a restaurant indoors because in Duluth they were actually taking it seriously. Like it was it was very uh Yeah we were we were in a huge dining room with like three other people. Yes. It was it huge. Was they, super... they everything was re- like reservation only yeah. so that they had, you know, enough space like Everyone was masked up until you got to your table, and once you were at your table, there was no one around for for quite a while. So it actually felt pretty safe doing it that way. Yeah, honestly, and it um, felt good it was, just being in a restaurant and like kind of feeling normal. It really did. Oh and, my god! And my Windows Defender went off, and I'm not going to be able to edit that sound out. God damn it! <laughs> uh, so Fickers was really good. Um, and then we took another one um, up in uh, Grand Marais. Uh, we stayed up on Devil Track Lake again. This time we got a cabin to ourselves, which was fucking phenomenal. And we did... Um, so nice. We got three nights there instead of two so that we have more time. Um, that was really nice. Uh, I-, I will say that that adjusted me for like a good week. It yeah. took it took more than a week for oh the God. world to the, break my spirit again. The so. hike, we hiked. We went to Devil's, Devil's Kettle. Kettle. It was like fucking looking at a at a uh, come visit Minnesota pamphlet. Yes, like, it, it was it, like holy shit. We actually have places like this. The the funny thing is, like I've seen pictures of Devil's Kettle so much because it's been something that like we talked about going there on the old podcast. Like that's yeah. how long that we've been talking about that place, and I've been seeing it. But like. Getting up there, like you know, when you cross that bridge to get to the, you 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 go over this suspended bridge um, 
to cross the river to get to the 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 path that takes you to the, the devil's kettle and it was just it was uh, it was awesome it was like it was like seeing like superior for the first time like it was just like transcendent yeah and that kind of leads into another good thing i discovered a new hobby uh that i like this year which is photography oh yeah um yeah. so I, I i bought a a dslr camera you know it's a it's a starter kit um but it's got a couple of a couple of nice lenses um it's easily expandable i'm learning about uh, you know, shot composition and, and, you know, ISOs and shutter speeds and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm really enjoying, um, photography and I, I think it will lead me to do more traveling in order to get, um, you know, more shots. I also got a drone, which is really fucking cool. I've, I really like nice taking drone, drone yeah. shots. Um, it's like one of the only ways I feel like I can get creative anymore is, is with, um, you know, photography. So I, I will say that's one uh, good thing. I don't think I would have explored a little bit of good state for it. Yeah. Had I not, um, kind of been cooped up and thinking about, you know, what I wanted to do. So I think that's a, you know, a new hobby, um, got a couple of good vacations out of it. Um, and you know, the isolation from people, it did make it a little bit more special when you finally did get to, you know, to see folks. So, um, sort of bringing appreciation to things that you might normally take for granted, I think is, um, is something that this year kind of brought into focus as well. True. Um, pretty much everything else can go die. Gargle my balls. Yeah. It can make like Steely Dan and gargle my balls. Gargle my balls. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of like every, everything else that was good this year was just things that came out. Right. Like, like there's a new Montreal album. There was. Some oh my god, you're fun. You know what? Hey, came out in January. Yeah. Let's real, real quick. Uh, let's talk about our albums of the year. Just just top one. You are uh, fun. You're you're fun by of Montreal. Yeah. What uh what what makes that your favorite album of the year? Um. Well, it's my favorite band of all time. Uh, of all time, and I, I would say they continue to be, but he continues to be my favorite artist because. Every single time he releases an album, you have no idea what the hell to expect. Um, and every single time, it's just like a warm blanket. Like, I, I know that, like, even even his weirdest stuff, it's still like, you're just like, ah, oh, yeah. Things are still good in this world. And You Are Fun especially is... You Are Fun is, is, is not weird at all. Like, it is... It's really, it's actually really fun. Like it's a, it's kind of a poppy album. It's, it's really catchy. Um, every song if has you, a good. If hook. you played that album in its entirety to most people, there are a couple of songs that are a little out there. Um, uh, mostly, like, mostly like, like I think lyrically. it's called. Is it called like being, being, becoming an atheist to get God's attention? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's you know little kind of go- you know goofy stuff like that. But most people would have no idea that that was an album from one of the weirdest bands on the planet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that is an album that there's not a song on there that I don't like. It's that that's a, a a banger of an album. Yeah, because I I love um, of Montreal as well. I like not as as much as you. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last couple of albums have been really good, but they're harder to get into because they're they're a little more melancholy, even though they're like upbeat. Yeah, and no, electronic. he definitely he definitely went through some shit. A couple of albums. Yeah, yeah, and um, then. You were fun came out and I was like, holy fuck, this is like 
this is good time music. Yeah. And it didn't hurt that one of the first times I listened to it in its entirety um, was on our road trip back from Wisconsin, which was, you know, really nice. That's um, true. We had some good scenery. It was good it was... scenery and, and, and good times. Yeah. And great oldies. And it was right before the pandemic, too, so the world hadn't gone to shit yet. It's true. So we, it was just we a good time. We spent that weekend in Madison, Wisconsin, fucking doing things that are unimaginable now. Yep. We were in crowds all fucking weekend. Now, apparently that was the weekend where they had their first case it's in true. Madison. It's so, true. It's it is it is so nobody true had where... any idea what the fuck they were doing. But it was great. It was an awesome weekend. Uh despite would have, would have loved to have moved there. Despite but... the uh the stuff surrounding it. It's a great weekend. Uh Madison's a very cool city. It uh, is as much as we like to give Wisconsin shit, it's one of the good parts. <laughs> One of the it few really good is. parts. You know, if we could annex the Madison area and like the bluff country from Wisconsin, I think that would be a net win for <laughs> for Minnesota. Um, yeah. So, you know, look, the at the end of the day, you know, it's a new year. I think the most important thing is can, can we please, please, please just be fucking nice to each other this year? Like, Things got really heated, especially uh, especially beginning of November. I look, I I partook in that. I still partake in that. I I get very heated about things. I I've blocked family members on Facebook over over political things. I get it. Yeah. But I just I don't know, man. Fucking life is too short. Just just be nice. Just wear the fucking mask until this is over. Like, yeah. do you think anyone likes wearing, like, who gets up in the morning and is like, oh, I can't wait to put on my mat? No. I can't wait to smell but my breath all fucking day. Be a fucking adult. Like, yeah. do the right thing for once in your miserable fucking life, you fucking pieces of shit. Uh, uh, hey, what's your top album of the year? You didn't say it. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> obviously, my best album of the year is uh, Hot, Wet, and Sassy by Tobacco. That's my number two. It came out uh, at the beginning of November, and we listened to it for the first time driving through Duluth, and it literally is like the soundtrack to driving through Duluth because it's like it feels like Duluth. It's it's <laughs> it's gorgeous, but it's grimy. But it's grimy, and it's and kind of yucky, and kind of yucky. And that album from start to finish is just spot on. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that album came out very recently, and I've listened to it almost as many times as I've listened to You Are Fun. <clears throat> like, I, it's one of those things where, like, like You Are Fun, and really any, any of both of those artists, both Tobacco and Montreal, any of their albums, I can just fucking listen to on repeat. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's, it's good. Um, especially since they're both pretty prone to shorter albums. Um, Montreal a little less than Tobacco. Of Montreal um, puts them out at a, a very, very... A rapid pace, yeah. He he likes he likes making the music, um, but uh, yeah, they're both albums that are just like I don't care what mood I'm in. Someone puts it on, I'm like, all right, we're listening to this whole fucking thing. Yeah, you touch that dial, I kill you. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, what what are your what are your parting thoughts? Uh, what what okay? Before we wrap up, I, I swear this is the last segment. Okay, I just thought of this. What is your resolution for 2021 what what do you what do you what do you want to do in 2021 there's a lot of easy answers you could give like me get a job yeah. yeah i want you to dig deep um 2021 i want to actually 
put the time into one of the many things I say I want to learn how to do. Um, either uh, the big ones for me are um, using using programs like Ableton and stuff, and using that mini keyboard and music, making some yeah. music. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is learning how to use um, Blender and learning how to model. Pretty I, I think I think you should start both. Um, I would like to actually. I know me. I know how I procrastinate, and I know when I look at a big block of text in one of those programs, I'm like. I'm not going to remember all that. Are you fucking kidding me? You're not just going to have a tutorial? I'm yeah, well, gonna, I mean... You, know, you can look I, it up. I know there's tutorials online. I had the same thing learning, like, Audition and right. Premiere Pro and stuff. But, like, once you do it... And I know I have the mental capacity. It's stuff that I was good at in school. Like, it, it's stuff that I've... Like, the reason why I want to do it is because I did a little bit of music production in school. Like, in classes. Um, I did a little bit of animating in school when I did that video game course. Yeah, um, oh yeah, that's I, right. I've done I some coding. Do I've done some coding, both in that video game course and the HTML class I had. Like, it's all stuff that is daunting, and, you know, school does a very good job of, like, breaking it up into small little bits and making it very not daunting. And when you realize that, you're like, oh, I'm actually good at this. Like, all it really takes is being, you know, like, coding. All it really takes is being precise and being, you know, not, not missing small details. And I'm really good at that kind of stuff. But... It, the reason why I want to get into them is because I know I'm good at those things, but it's been so long that I have to relearn, I have to reteach myself. And they are very uh, complicated things to learn. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, but but I you have, gotta start somewhere. Though. I have that creative juice that I want to get, and, you know, I want to start writing more, too. That's something I know I can do, and that's something I don't have to reteach myself. I went to school for that. Um... But I just need to, you know, one, get out of my own head, because everything I create is trash in my head, you know? Right. Yeah, everything I, have, I create I is trash. It's all trash. And because it's trash, I don't want people to look at it and tell me it's trash. So I just get into a, oh, if I'm not going to make it for anybody, fuck it. So no, I have you, to get out of that headspace. So it, that's another a, thing. You make it for you, if that's if that's what yeah, you... Yeah, yeah, I know. And that that's another thing I want to work on. So that's that's something that... Is okay, so you, you want to come on. out of 2021 with a new skill. Yeah, a new skill. A new hobby. A new hobby. That's one thing that I thought this pandemic was going to give me, and then I just... No, didn't. the same with me. I mean, even though work was hell, I did have... I mean, just by virtue of having months working from home, I have like an hour commute every day. So working from home, I had like a couple extra hours every damn day to do whatever I wanted and I wasted every single moment of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I really did. Yeah, I yeah, me too. Just, you know, I don't know, ne- negative thought patterns. I-, I guess that's that's my um my resolution for twenty twenty one. I just I feel like I need to I need to be okay uh being me. Yeah. Like I feel like I just need to come to terms with the fact that, yeah, I'm broken. I'm probably never going to be fixed. And let's just try and have the best life that I can. Well, fucking everybody is. Whilst being broken. Everybody is, you know. Everyone's, everybody's broken in some way. Everyone's broken in their own way. Some people, you know, more than others. Some people have, like, you know, you know, just like anything. Anything that, you know, people with anxiety, people with depression, people who have anger issues, people who, you know, just... Anything. 
yeah. anything you can consider yourself broken, and I'm sure everybody feels like that about yeah. something about themselves. I mean, there are things that I'm good at. There are a lot of things that I'm bad at, and I just need to just sort of be okay with it. And that, that doesn't mean that there aren't things that I think I can actually improve on, but I think the first thing that I need to do is improve my entire thought process. Yeah. Um, I need to get better at failing. I need to get better at... I need to I fail a lot. I need to get better at realizing that everybody fails a lot. Failing and, is uh, honestly like one of the best things that I'm good at. I'm, <laughs> I, I fail. I'm good at doing it, but I'm not good at putting myself into situations where I will fail. Oh, sure. I take the yeah. easy route out a lot of times, so or I just don't do it when I know, like, oh, you know. I mean, you're talking be... to a guy who hasn't taken the highway in like ten years because it gives him panic attacks. So, yeah. a- avoiding <laughs> avoiding stuff is is That's something fair. that I'm I'm well acquainted with. But you know, uh, I, I want to just learn to be okay with myself. Learn to be okay with being there. There's so many things that I judge myself on not having. Um, you know, especially for my age, like I should, I should have, uh, you know, this or that or the other thing. And it's like, I mean, fuck it. Every everyone's different. If shit's meant to be, it'll it'll happen. And if not, I need to stop beating myself up about it. Right. Um. But, you know, like every New Year's resolution, I will probably fail miserably. And, uh... What are resolutions for, if not failing? Right. Exactly. Well, anyways, on that cheery note, I think we can wrap up. (laughs) Uh, Good fucking riddance, 2020. Yeah, wear a fucking mask. Just, just, people... Wear the fucking mask. There's a vaccine now. Like, we're we're in the fucking end game. Don't make it harder. Don't, don't fuck this up, please. Just... Wear, just wear the mask. It's a piece of cloth. You put it on your face. I have, Everything is fine. I have horrific anxiety and asthma, and I wear a mask. Yeah. I the, I literally, after a while, forget that I have it on my face yeah, at work. Yeah, you do. Like, it just... We saw one movie this year, and we wore it. It was a long movie. It was a long movie. And, like, movie. the beginning of it, I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. I'm going to have to have a mask yeah, on the whole for- time. And then, like, a, like five minutes into that yeah. movie, I was so into yeah. it. I was just like... Yeah, you forget about it. It's all in your fucking head. When you think you have breathing problems with the mask on, it's in your head. You don't. You you're not having trouble getting breath. Well, yeah, and that head. that's something I learned very well as well. Yeah, all my breathing problems this year entirely in my head. It is. I in actually your bought head. I bought a pulse oximeter so that I can check my blood oxygen level. Yeah, and it's always fine, even when I feel like I'm not breathing at all. Yeah. because and if you have legitimate breathing your... issues, the mask isn't the mask isn't gonna gonna hurt you. No, it's not. Like, if if your breathing issues are so bad that a mask won't help you or will hurt you, you are in no shape to be out during a pandemic. Yeah, stay. Your the doctor fuck will tell home. you, uh, "Fuck you" if you want to go out. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, just be nice. Wear the mask. Be nice. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Live your life. But everyone who's, don't be an who's not like that, I, you know, I love you. I hope everyone is is doing okay. I hope. Uh, I hope we don't have too much residual trauma from this year, and I just sincerely hope that uh, better things are ahead for everyone. Um, so with that, uh, you know, this is our first and, and last podcast for 2020. Hopefully we will have more time in 2021 to actually give you regular episodes. There's so much cool paranormal shit that I want to talk about, but there's just, you know finding the the will to put anything down and... i don't remember what mr b and mark look like yeah 
that's sad. Uh, Their faces know. are a blur to me. Anyways, hopefully we'll get the band back together soon. Um, and, you know, I hope everyone just has a great, safe new year and, um, you know, take care of each other. All right. All right. Peace out, everyone.